So Dylan McKay gets on this old James Deeney looking car. Uh, in one of the episodes of 90210, he's talking to Brandon. Um, and he hops in the back of the car. He doesn't even open the door, I think. He just kind of hops in that Dukes of Hazard sort of ways. And he looks over at uh, Brandon and gives, them, gives him this Kafka-esque kind of quote of, you know what I am? I'm rad, bad, and dangerous to know. He puts on his sunglasses, I think, and he drives away. And I used to be, used to think that that was the shit, you know? It's like, yeah, that's what a teenager's like. That's what I should have strived to be like. There, but my parents were poor. We were living in Islos at that point, and uh, we had an old beat-up Econoline minivan, uh, which didn't have any seats in the back, just a few mattresses that we, we they used to take to the beach uncomfortably. Uh, and trips to school were rattly, and back in the day, they weren't checking for safety belts like they do nowadays. So if there had been an accident, we would have all been toast. But uh, we got, you know, driven to school in one of those, in that nasty old van, or in my mom's old Isuzu van, which didn't have any air conditioning, which anybody that lives in Southern California in the summertime will tell you is just miserable. And and I, how the hell was I ever going to be cool like Luke Perry or Brandon Walsh or even Ian Serling was kind of cool. Uh, Brian Austin Green never really so much. But my, my whole point in this is that I, as a teenager, watching who I thought were teenagers at the time, never mind the fact that they were probably 40 years old when they were playing, when they were uh, on 90210, I never, I, I knew what the ideal was and I had a sense that I would never be that ideal. First and foremost, my nose was always huge. I didn't grow into my face until my early 20s. And so I had this really awkward, you know, kind of face where my nose just stick out. And maybe it didn't, but I know that the kids certainly told me that it did and that it was gross and ugly. And that kind of seeped into it. And I had this really tall, ugly hair that uh, was not manageable, but my mom liked it that way. And since she was the one that gave me haircuts and it was sacrilegious to think, to ask her to, to go to a barber, I got stuck with this really ugly looking, froey looking thing. Um, I had super skinny legs. And I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I just wanted to paint again the picture of what an awkward thing, kid I was. But come to think of it, Aren't we all, for the most part, awkward in high school? Even the coolest of kids, they're awkward because you're made to feel awkward. You look at what's on TV, and nowadays for for, for uh, teenagers, you look at what's on social media and YouTube channels coupled with what's on regular broadcast TV. And I'm sure that they, 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 they must come across the same issues that I did. It's like, well, that person, that person's perfect. I'm told they're perfect because they have a TV show, and there's, and I am light years away from looking like that. I have an accent. They don't. My skin is brown. They're white. They have money. My parents don't. Um, they have all the quick comebacks that I wish I had whenever bullies came around. Uh, they had a set of writers. I didn't. I, I, I my. I go back to this whole concept of I was so both in love with the media, I was in love with the television and the shows that they were showing us back then, but I think to a certain degree, I, I grew up to to some degree comparing myself to 
the screen presence that were on there. And it wasn't just Saved by the Bell. I, it was back as far as Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder and the cute little kid with the blonde hair that I knew that I was never going to look like. Or, uh, you know, something like Saved by the Bell with Zach Morris and being the precocious, you know, teenager that he was and how, you know, got away, he got away with murder, whereas if, you know... I tried to pull a stunt like that. Trust me, there was no Mr. Belding, and I was going to get my ass kicked both at school and at home for acting like an asshole. And, and, but all in the guise of, hey, we're just having a good old time. There's my, I guess all of this came about today because I was uh, driving after dropping off my kids at summer camp, and I looked out the window, and I noticed that uh, an older, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say older, it looked like it was an older, you know, uh, a woman, probably my age. So that tells you a lot of where my mind's at. But, you know, uh, somebody who was not a teenager or, or a 20-something, but, a, you know, a woman who seemed very attractive. I caught her looking at me, you know, as I, as I was driving, and we exchanged a, a smile between one another. And that was it. It was just a quick glance, a quick recognition of you're looking at me, and now I realize that you're that I'm looking at you. And quick smile. She went on to one side of the uh, the street, and I went on to the other, and that was it. Um, and over the years, I, I, you know, let, let's just call the spade a spade. I am attractive in my own way. I realize that now. I am very proud of that. I understand that I have my certain charm about me. I have my sense of humor. I carry myself uh, the way men do once they've realized who they are. It's a certain amount of swagger that is really just specific to you. That when you walk into a room, people just understand that your energy is there. It's something that I have grown a long time to build for myself. And now that I have it, I'm very proud to display it. I don't know if... um, the men in the audience understand this. It, it, once you reach a certain age of comfort with yourself, it, is, it just feels wonderful to, for, to go into places and, and, and know that you carry a gravity about you and that people notice it and that you're also okay with other people that have gravity onto themselves and that you're able to, uh, to deal with these folks and to talk to them and have a good time. And it makes for a really cool environment versus the 17 to 20-something-year-old, which if there's another cat in the room who's cooler than you or who has better stories, you, you, you grow to hate that guy because he's competition to you. He's taking away the attention that you feel that you deserve. And and, and probably back then, you, neither one of you deserved it because you both are a bunch of dumbasses trying to claim that you know philosophy when you really don't uh, and trying to impress girls with shit that you don't really have. But just the mere fact that there's another cock out there who's trying to get what's yours in your head, um, you, you, you can't be okay around other guys. Unless they're really, really close friends of yours, or you consider them to be not as, competi- not as much competition for you. Whereas with now, I'm not competing with, with anybody. I More than anything, it's a, it's a business environment, and I want to make sure that I make the best argument when I go into a meeting than other people. And that also means how I dress and and, and, and a certain amount of charm and and understanding my product. And when I talk to people, it's about really listening to what they have to say and cueing uh, and putting all of these different um, abilities that I had that I've amassed over the years to be able to be a compelling advocate for myself and therefore 
and gain business that way. I, I guess in that sense I'm competing. But with regards to going out there and looking for for girls and, and, and you know and trying to get some, I don't have a need for that anymore. And it doesn't mean that I I don't want to be considered attractive. It doesn't mean that I don't flirt uh, or that I have conversations with you know the opposite sex or shit even the you know the, the same sex where you know there's flirtation back and forth i think that there's something fun to be still attractive throughout your years why should just be limited to your 20s and from then afterwards you turn it off and and now you're just this stoic figure of monogamy no you should be able to have fun and enjoy other people um enjoy conversations, getting into interesting dialogues, because people are inherently interesting. If you really sit down and talk to them, they're interesting. But I think one of the ways that you break down barriers relatively quickly is whether somebody finds you attractive from the get-go. And I know that in my own ways, I am very attractive to some others. And you could say, well, Hugo, you're just this is just you talking to yourself, trying to talk yourself up. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the case. But I have enough anecdotal evidence to tell you that in certain times and places, after a few drinks and uh, you know dressing the way that I do and, and having the sense of humor that I that I possess, that I don't know that sometimes translates onto the podcast, but trust me, I'm a fucking funny guy in real life. That that people do gravitate towards me, and and I'm okay with that gravity, and I enjoy it. Now, a second ago, I used the word monogamy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going around there fucking around on my wife. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean is that we have the kind of relationship after 20 years together where she understands and I understand of her that I cannot limit her interactions to one sex or the other. It's not like, oh, well, you can only hang out with your girlfriends. It doesn't work. My wife is not that way. She's always felt more comfortable hanging around guys in, in in some capacity she's you know worked in warehouses she's worked in in businesses where there's a, there's a, a lot of male energy and for me to come off like well you can only hang out with with women because that is the the only people that um, I trust you with it doesn't work we had these fights uh, 10 years ago and it just didn't work we are you know we go with the flow if somebody's interesting we'll talk to them if if somebody is uh you know, it's friendly and capable. It doesn't matter what the genitalia is. We'll just have a conversation with them. Vice versa, in, in my industry, especially when I was doing a lot of recruiting, uh, a lot of my work was wooing and, and talking to people and making them feel like they're the, you know, the, the, the center of the world because that is part of the recruiting process. It's, it's really showing somebody that you care about them and that you're invested in them. And a lot of that means having some interesting, deep, uh, insightful conversations about who they are and what their goals are. Uh, the way that I've always managed salespeople is that i got to understand what your motivations are. Why are you doing this? Why are you selling? Because if I understand what your motivations are, then I can help find uh, strategies for you to get there. But if all I want from you is just to go out there and make money, I'm going to make for a shitty manager because I don't really know what drives you. I don't really know what gets you. But that means that in order for me to really understand people, I have to get invested in them. I have to understand who they are. And those conversations can be very deep. And in that, sometimes you find yourselves mixing... Yeah, well, you to truly understand somebody, it's like a date. You really want to get to who they are, and that means you laugh with them, you cry with them, you you commiserate with them. 
And, and in that process, you really come to understand that person. And, and once you do that, then you have a much better footing to help them reach their goals. At least that is the way that I always went about managing salespeople is I me understand you. Show me who you are and why are you, why are you doing what you're doing and who are you doing what you're doing for. And I will help find strategies for you to get there because I know what drives you and I know what... Uh, sales techniques can help you better get there. But anyways, that also involves, and back in the, back 20 years ago, that also involved a lot of travel and going to exotic places within the United States and staying at uh, convention centers and going to bars and then buying drinks. And, you know, back in the, before 2008, I mean, the money was no object. So you could just go out there with a corporate credit card and entertain lavishly. And so when you're, uh, you know, late 20-something who is relatively attractive, in good shape, loves to dance, loves to tell jokes, loves to buy drinks, well, of course you're going to gravitate people. And there was a lot of instances throughout my career where people mistook my um, friendly nature for something more than that. And, of course, I never went there. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that... There wasn't an interest. Of course, I'm human. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I have to come back home to my wife. That's my responsibility. And that is, I made vows. Uh, and she and I have had very interesting conversations about the nature of our relationship. And for the most part, is giving each other latitude to be the people that we really are and not cross the boundaries that we've set ourselves, you know, that we set for ourselves. Uh, and, and also, that changes during marriage. There's sometimes when you retract. There, there's sometimes when you once contract and there's sometimes when you have more latitude i will say in 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 a lot and sometimes it's not spoken it just happens because of you know what's going on in life so for instance when the children were first you know, were were first uh, about when they first came into the world there was no time to go out we both disappeared into the children it was about taking care of them and make sure that they were sleeping making sure that they were being fed that all of their needs were taken care of. There was no talk about going out and, you know, entertaining and doing that. It was about the, the, the home front. Now as they're getting older and they have the ability to take care of themselves a, bit, a, little, bit, you know, a little bit more, then now we're starting to, again, regain our footing as people. And, hey, I want to go out and have a good time and, and uh, you know, watch a movie that you don't care about, babe. Or I want to go to a bar and or, or take a train ride, and but I it's not something that interests her. It's like go, go do you, and 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 vice versa. If she wants to go and hang out and go to book club or go to bunco, or if there's like back in the day, there's a band that somebody is, there's a band that uh, she knows of people at work that wants to play with, and I just don't care for that kind of music. Go, go check it out, and and there is a great deal of trust in our marriage where I don't have to worry about. Um, is she fucking around on the side? You know, it's, and that's what I mean about monogamy is, is the fact that we're very comfortable with where we're at in our relationship. We're constantly talking and tweaking about it. And, and, and that makes it so that it's not like we're looking for anything else. Still, it's a nice shot of adrenaline for somebody to consider you charming. I, I was at the bar Several months ago, I had to be there for one of the associate, one of the realtor meetings that we typically have to go to, and and I sacrificed myself and I went to this bar to go have drinks and, and network with my fellow realtors, and at one point, somebody that I had known for a very little time on Facebook, she comes up to me and she's like, "Hey, 
have you ever considered um, going on a uh, a blind date? And I thought, no, no, thank you. That's very nice and very flattering of you, but I'm married. And then she looks at me and she looks over at my hands and she realizes and she sees it clearly that I don't have a uh, wedding ring on. And so she looks at me and I said, I know, I forget it. I don't always wear my ring. And she's like, whoa, really? You don't always wear it? Well, don't you think you're giving the wrong impression? I said, well, I'm not here to you know, find a fuck buddy. I'm here to network and have drinks and have tell stories with people. But, and I will say that, I don't always wear my ring. My wife doesn't always wear her ring. And it's not for any other reason that sometimes you just forget to wear your ring. Or, you know, I don't know what it is, but lately, like, my hands have been swelling. So my fit doesn't fit quite right, especially when it gets hot. And so guess what? It's not on me. Um, God, I got, I got really far away from 90210, didn't I? Okay, we're going on about 18 minutes now. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I am now comfortable in my own skin. I realized that there's some things that I could tweak. There's places in the, in the old chassis here that could be tightened up and made better. Um, and, if I, and when I work on, on things, I work on it for myself. And, and yes, to a certain degree, I work on them because I want my, my wife to find me attractive and to find me alluring. I dress a certain way just so that she could see me dressed well. Uh, I want her to remember that, hey... You know, outside of my usual around the house part, I clean up nice and and I'm a good looking dude to look at. Um, but that I also do get a charge when somebody looks over and acknowledges that I'm attractive. And I'm glad that I was able to shed the concepts of what attractive used to be. That it doesn't have to be white, blonde, blue eyed in order to be alluring to other people. That... Uh, you know, a brown guy with, you know, big, bright uh, brown uh, eyes and who takes, you know, who dresses really well when he needs to, has this uh, Mexican James Bond uh, type of appeal to him, that that could be attractive to a certain demographic. And, and if that means that I get an extra smile here and there on my drive back and forth from to summer camp, that's not a bad thing. So how about you guys? Tell me, um, as you're getting older, uh, are you feeling more comfortable in your skin? Do you feel that, um, you know, do, do you, do, are you, or, or are you still fighting with, you know, the concepts of attraction, what you see in magazines, what you see on television and media? Uh, do they still plague you? Or have you shed that as you get older? Or if you're currently a younger person, um, are you still in that rat race of trying to fit into a mold? Or are you finding strategies to get a away from that and just to be you in your own skin and and are you proud of that because you should be if you are able to look at all that other crap that's out there and and just be you who you are in your early 20s you're I think you're doing something right because you're skipping an entire different step which would mean us my 20s of dealing with I have to be the embodiment of something which to a certain degree I was never going to be and then finally to everybody who heard the last podcast, um, thank you so much for uh, taking it easy on me and my singing. I know that um, that was pretty painful to get through in the first few minutes. Uh, it was 
painful for me to uh, to sing it. So I I can only imagine what it was like for you to for you guys that had to deal with that three minutes worth of uh, bad um, bad acoustics. I also want to give a quick shout out to a the podcast uh, a podcaster in or a name of a podcast. We live on a planet. Uh, they were kind enough to send me a note on the uh, uh, you know on uh, Anchor and tell me what they appreciate about the con- you know uh, about the last show and how the content moved them and and you know it had some really interesting and nice kind words for me so I want to give a quick shout out to them and also for some of you uh, and I'll put that on the description uh, of the show. I was featured on a KPC story uh, stories about immigrants and the travels to uh, to the United States. It's a bit, in a sense, it's a kind of a bit of a companion piece to my last podcast. So I'll put that in the podcast notes as well. Um, a lot of great conversations are happening. I'm excited. I've, I've you know I've developed some really good back and forth with people on on Twitter. So by all means, hit me up, talk to me, say hello. I'm here to uh I'm here to wrap and chat with you uh anytime. Peace to you.